This is the Health, Heal and Thrive podcast and I'm your host, Tracy McBee. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Health, Heal, Thrive podcast. You are in for a special treat today. I have an interview for you and it's not just an interview with any old person. It's with a couple who are hugely inspiring and I know you are absolutely going to love to listen to them. So their names are John and Ariane Cripps and I well, I've known of John for a little while through his incredible work he's done through the Nutrition Network. He's a retired ophthalmologist and obviously had a huge turnaround with uh, his understanding of metabolic health and now uh, does a lot of work through the Nutrition Network. But I met them face to face for the first time, John and his wife, Ariane, at the Low Carb USA San Diego Metabolic Health Symposium last year in August. I was lucky enough to sit next to them. We got to talking and um, really connected and I invited them then to chat to me uh, and share their story. And uh, he said he would get in touch when he was ready and he did. And as it has said previously, you know, it really brought me back from my hiatus of interviewing. And uh, I talked to them last week and I realized just how much I love interviewing and I love hearing people's stories. Everybody has a story and I think it's so amazing to be able to bring the story of John and Ariane Cripps. All the information you need to connect with them is below. I really hope you can listen to this with an open mind and truly be inspired by what's possible. It's such a pleasure to have you both, John and Ariane, here to chat with me. I have had a break from actually doing podcast guests. Um, and funny, since I've had this break, I have been reached out by you and a couple of other people who are really keen f- to share their story with me and through my channels. So it's absolute honour to have you both here. Thank you so much. The honour is ours. Well, I don't usually interview two people at once. So what I was actually thinking might be really lovely, obviously you both, I know a little bit about your story. You've not just lived together as husband and wife, but you've worked together and you've obviously been very intimately involved so what I thought might be fun is, Ariane, would you like to introduce a little bit about John? And John, maybe you could introduce Ariane and just from your perspective, just share a little bit about who you are. Well, John is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Um, really a perfectionist and a great athlete and a fantastic friend and a super husband And I don't think that I could really introduce them any better than that. I mean, there's not much that's missing. Let's put it that way. Actually, (laughs) one thing I would draw on that is that you said friendship. You know, I think it's often missing. That that, that is really uh, probably the cornerstone of our relationship is that we really met at work and became really good friends and with no intention ever of being in a relationship. I mean, you have to understand that he was 27 years old. I was 38 and the mother of two. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I, uh, it was not something that even crossed my mind, not even for five seconds at any point in time, it crossed his, but not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's. And and for me to uh, introduce my wife, Arian. Uh, when I met her at 
one of the hospitals I was working at up in Northern Ontario, Canada, she, um, she was interesting. She was running a department, uh, a dental department. And the thing about her was we would have, we would come down for a break. There'd be a whack of nurses, psychologists, social workers, et cetera. We'd usually be at a big table and there'd probably be 14 of us. And she never agreed with the thing I said, I swear for a year. And that was a very interesting thing. I, I loved it. And she would, she would challenge me and she had some pretty good, she was the most common sense person I'd met in my life. I just unbelievable. And then I used to run with a group of social workers and physicians at lunchtime. One of them did a Arian started up a fitness class to try and make the staff healthier and you know I did a lunchroom, a, lunch a lunchtime room. fitness yeah. class. So one of the guys in our running group said, oh, I went to this lady's fitness class and I couldn't finish it. And back in the 80s, men just they didn't really do that sort of thing. So we all sort of poo-pooed his thought. And he's so he challenged us all a dollar to try and finish her class. So we had to go. None of us finished her class. <laughs> Not a single one. Oh, that's funny. <clears throat> yeah. But but the comments, Arian has the most compassion. She's the most honest person, so emotional. And if I she can make me cry in two seconds by, you know. <laughs> so we we love the same things. We're always together. We're we're kind of a strange couple because we like being together mm -hmm. and other friends try and say, well, why don't you guys take separate vacations? Or why don't you go here with a guy? We, we really have no desire to do that, but we really it, have it, never done that, but she's very talented. And she ran my, uh, when I, when I was up North, when I met her, I was, I worked in emerge as a trauma ER doc covered one of the hospitals. And I did a family practice with a 63 year old splitting his practice uh, I went when I went back to do eye surgery and did a residency in ophthalmology. She ran my practice for almost three decades, and without her, I mean, I, it it wouldn't have happened. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. Well, it sounds like you both were destined to be together. It was going to happen. <laughs> I, you know, like I used to have to because uh, we worked together all the time and our patients used to ask all the time, how can you guys do this? Be together 24 seven. I said, well, if I didn't work with him, I just wouldn't see him. I mean, he's always yeah, either in the true. hospital or in the office. If I wasn't in the office working with him, yeah, I every once in a while, I sneak him out of his his schedule for 10 minutes to have a coffee with me. And we really didn't see each other all that much all day long because I was just putting the patients in for him to see and he was seeing them. And then I would be processing them. And so, you know, I mean, it, it just I really didn't want to be at home or be working someplace else. It just didn't make sense. Plus, I wanted all of our time off to be the two of us at the same time being off, which is not something that you can always have when you're working. You know, you, if you're working two different jobs, yeah. you can't always coordinate your vacation time. Mm -hmm. And that was really important for me that we could spend time together traveling and and spending time with the kids and stuff like that. So, yeah. Wow. It sounds like there's many uh, ingredients in there and we could probably talk 
a long time about relationships. And actually, it's, it is so important for health. You know, it comes into a lot of my coaching because I think relationships aren't easy. Um, and yeah. a lot of people, you know, don't really know how to, I suppose, make them work. Um, and obviously, you guys have have done that. And it won't be for everybody the way you've done it, but the way you guys have done it, I think that's that's you know, people have sort of said, well, why do you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? Because this is the way I do it. But you've resisted that and just really stay true to both of you, um, um, which is really, to me, what the essence is of a good relationship, being true to what both of you need. So congratulations, because I think it Thank is you. it is rare. And um, I know there'll probably be people who want me to get you back and we we'll just do a whole thing on relationships. <laughs> But I do want to ask you, because there's a book in the background there called Ketogenic, and um, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see the book. Those of you listening, you will many of you will know of the Nutrition Network textbook, Ketogenic, um, that is in the background. So that's going to spark my next question. I guess um, what's led you um, to have a ketogenic textbook in the background and and what is the story or stories? Well, in, uh, in 2019, my oldest son, who's 53 years old, came down to visit us and he said to me, he said, mom, he said, you know, you should read Jason Fung's book on fasting and on the cancer code and the diabetes code and blah, blah, blah. So um, we kind of thought about it, like we talked to each other about it and we decided to buy the books. No, really? And there wasn't an uh, element of, oh, nope. No, not at all. Not at all. He said to me, he said, mom, you had cancer. And I think you need to read that because there's a lot of information in there that I think might help you, you know, and who knows, I could have, you know, I had a recurrence apparently once, and I could have had another one. So that's what took John down the, the hole of nutrition, reading those books, and then um, getting into the nutrition network with Professor Noakes. And, uh, you know, starting the coaching there. And then uh, from there, my son became carnivore. What? 100% <laughs> carnivore. He started keto yeah. and did quite well on that. And then he gradually just started to, well, he, he transformed himself. He, he really got really strong and he started running and he well, started weighting 50 pounds yeah i think he lost yeah. 40 to 50 yeah. pounds and mm -hmm. uh anyway he just transformed himself and so we started playing around with the ketogenic diet and then um i really liked it because i've been vegetarian for 15 years we had been vegetarian for 15 years and until 2010. And I blame the the pesticides on the fact that I got lymphoma. Yeah. And there's no question. I mean, it's out there now on Facebook every day, you know, watch the Roundup and the pesticides and so forth. And I did my best to get ingredients that wouldn't have that on it. But, you know, just because you buy organic doesn't mean that it hasn't been oversprayed from a field next door or whatever. So, um, so when, when I started looking into all this and, and we went to the first conference, um, we had already been keto probably for three to four years. I have to say that we fell off the wagon quite a few times during Christmas, during birthdays, during Easter, you know, all the holidays, Thanksgiving and so forth. But then I went to Boca 
And um, just before Boca, I decided that I was going to get all of my food ready for the four days and I was going to take it with me to the hotel. And I did that. And I made meatballs and roast beef and hard boiled eggs and cheese and water. And we ate that while we were at the meeting. We didn't, well, I think we had two dinners out and we just had a one night, I think we had a steak and one night we had a burger. And by the time I was finished the four days and the day traveling back home, it just absolutely transformed my life. I was so concerned about, um, I, I said to, to Georgia Ede, she, she said to me, I, I met her in, in uh, Clearwater and she said, what led you to read my, you know, to buy my book? And I said, well, I'm going to be 80 next year. And I wanted to make sure that my marbles are still rolling the right way by the time I get there. You know, I'm concerned. I'm not afraid of having a heart attack. I'm not afraid of having anything. I don't have any pain anywhere. I don't take any medication except for thyroid medication. I said to her, I said, I just am afraid to lose my mind. I'm much more concerned about losing my mind than I am of having a heart attack. Because if you don't know where you are and if you can't recognize your relatives and all that to me there can't be anything more devastating so on my way home from Boca I realized that I've never felt better and for the first time in my life I realized that I had been in a fog from having COVID twice maybe three times and and um probably was very depressed over the period of time that we had the COVID uh, pandemic and I was still on in this kind of half fog and, and were I you keto home- then can I just ask was that were you yes, still ketogenic yeah. so this is the difference between ketogenic and carnivore yes, yes. I I really wow. eliminated first of all I eliminated all fruit because sugar mm. really feeds the lymph nodes that they, they swell right up when I have sugar so I stopped eating uh, all fruit and then I was still eating vegetables. But before I went to Boca, I used up everything I had in the house and that was it. I didn't buy anything more. And uh, just on being those four days and two travel days on nothing but a carnivore diet, I've never felt better in my life. I was stronger and I was happier and I was clearer than I've been in months, years. And so I said to John as well, you know what? The proof is in the pudding. I don't expect anybody else to do what I'm doing, but for me, this is the answer. Absolutely. She's always been a warm, cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> However, yeah, <laughs> it was so for me to see her mood just go to that extra level and not be sad. You know, with lock COVID lockdowns, you can't see your grandchildren, your children. Oh, yeah. That was that was, was very killer. difficult for everyone, but. It just she just she just lifted her with this going mostly carnivore. Plus, plus, I had uh, I had run yeah. a few half marathons and a couple long runs in my fifties. Yeah. Okay, and, I was just wanting to yeah. clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I think I did my first half marathon was at when I was fifty six. Yeah, my and. Uh, yeah, so uh, I did a few of those and a few uh, fundraising runs in uh, in Hawaii. I did one for the Lung Association. I did a couple here for St. Patrick's Day in Florida. 
anyway, I, you know, I all of a sudden couldn't do it anymore. I, I tried to run on the treadmill and I just got a sore left hip and it was just bothering me. And it would bother me playing pickleball. It would bother me biking. It would bother me walking. It would bother me running. And uh, I came back from Boca and I had no pain. I had no hip pain at all. So I'm thinking that that diet for me was very anti-inflammatory. Yeah, what did you start doing, honey? I started running. When was this? Was this last year or this year? This no, is this year. This year. This year since both of us. Wow. Wow. And just to clarify, yeah. everybody. That you're 79. Yeah, January 11th, <laughs> we were traveling down to Boca for TD1. And and actually what happened was we weren't going to take the first day. We were just going to go for T, uh, Debbie's 2 and the rest of the conference. And then John said to me, he says, you know, I think that the diabetes one is going to be interesting. And I said, well, then let's go. Let's go early. So then we found the hotel and they said they had, didn't have a room. And I said, yeah, well, he, he went on the website. They said, they, they have no room. They have no room. And I said, well, phone the hotel. Talk to somebody in the hotel and tell them what the situation is and you'll get a room. We got a room. So we went for day one, which was excellent. And uh, But I also wanted to go because there was a... a lots of subjects that I was interested in. So, but on my way home, I stuck to my plan of not having anything that I shouldn't have. And when I got home, I went for my first walk run. And I said to John, I said, I can run and I have no pain. And I said to him, I said, I don't know how this could happen, but it happened. Amazing. So I just, I said to him, I said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what people think and it doesn't matter whether they tell me that I'm going to have a heart attack and drop dead because they do yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. And I said, well, you know what? I'm 79 years old. If I drop dead, it's all good. I've outlived my father. And if I live another five years, I'll, I'll live my mother. So and my mother wasn't doing dead hangs and she wasn't doing pull-ups and she wasn't doing weight training and she wasn't doing running. So I'm okay. There is so much in that that is incredibly inspiring. And uh, one thing I want to draw back on is the fact that you've really highlighted the importance of mental health because I think it's, you know, I love Georgia. I've done her training as well and, you know, I've got her book. And I think she's phenomenal. Um, and what she brings is, yeah, yeah, she brings this element of this is actually the pinnacle in in some ways because we're so concerned with heart attacks and our physical health yes but what's good for the brain is good for the body so if we focus on keeping our brain optimal and working well and showing up for us that's just going to filter through to our body anyway and I do think people miss they're so focused on and I get it but you know so many in my world they they're focused on the weight was that any was that you know was that I know you've obviously you've had cancer and um, we can go into that a little bit as well but was it the weight at all for you or was it just purely the, you know, the health and the mental health reasons? No, the mental health was number one issue for me, really. Yeah. And uh, um, 
I maybe, well, there was a time when I was weighing 20 pounds more than now, but that was during my cancer treatment right. and I was on very high doses of prednisone. Mm -hmm. So I, I look at the pictures that John took while I was hiking bald and taking chemo and I was hiking and going up a hill and I look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. I mean, it's just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just tires from top to bottom. Um, which is interesting because at the time it didn't bother me at all. I, I didn't care. It was hot and I pulled my wig off my head and went hiking with a bald head. And, and actually I had a lady come up to me and she said, are you a cancer patient? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, well, me too. And then we had a conversation, you know, and I said, I said, well, I was just too hot wearing a wig. And she said, so where is it? And I said, it's in my backpack. <laughs> So for me, it was definitely mental, yeah. more than weight loss. I'm, I'm 20 pounds lighter than I was then. Yeah, the but, side effect. But, but that was also 10 years ago mm -hmm. or 13 years ago, I guess, actually. Mm. So, and we're, we're biking all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm not skinny. I never will be skinny. I weigh more than John. So that's why he can hang for such a long time. He, He's lighter. He you want to put a 10-pound weight around yeah. his neck because I think that would make a difference. I think put I a weighted vest on him. <laughs> yeah, I, we have one. I've been thinking about that. I, I'm thinking the only way he's going to know what it's like for me is if I put a 10-pound weight in there and he has to hang that on that. <laughs> hang, <laughs> hang on that too. So anyway. Um, but no, you're right. Uh, for me, certainly, maybe not four years ago, it wasn't the priority. Maybe then I was thinking more about losing weight. And my son said to me, he said, you're going to have to really water fast to get weight off. Cause I, I was very, uh, incapable of losing weight. But since I've been to Boca and learned so much, what I found out is I'm very insulin resistant. Yeah. So, and so I, I got all the blood work done. John got the panel done for me here. And, uh, and so I, that is what motivated me to really stick with the carnivore because it's, it's, it's really helping my insulin getting, going down. And, uh, my, I, I was like 6.0, um, in my uh, sugars and my, I was so considered pre-diabetic, I guess, mm -hmm. and that's down to five point six, five point six now. So just just since January, so like her her fasting insulin was close to thirty. Now it's down to just eight, and it's it's not it keeps going down all the time, which is. Did wonderful. you say eight? Eight, yeah. Oh, wow. So fasting now, so now, yeah. So the reason was, if people are on, if they have any kind of inflammatory autoimmune disease, first thing we often give them is massive dose of steroids and other than I have biologic agents. But so, so she was on, because of some complications she had with her, one of her chemotherapy agents, um, she was on a hundred milligrams of prednisone for over a year. Oh, wow. So that's, it's like being a lion jumping up in front of you, you get a you know, stress response, your cortisol goes through the roof. Well, hers is way above that for over a year. That makes you severely, severely insulin resistant. And that's why it's been a lot more of a challenge uh, for Arian to improve that, but she's really doing well. Uh, Carnivore has helped her tremendously. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're talking yeah. to the converted for me. So I've been carnivore for about three years after Hashimoto's 
Um, so oh, I, you know, pre yeah. diabetes. Yeah, I have, yeah, I have yes. hypothyroid. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's really, I mean, I don't have it anymore. My awesome. everything's, you know, I'm not on any medication or anything. I think I was lucky enough to, to find out what, what I did um, early enough. But what I find really fascinating is the difference between, you know, the spectrum how for some yes. people, you know, yep, yeah, just caking out, you know, crappy processed foods and focusing on real food can be enough to get their metabolic health to where they want to be. For others, it's it's ketogenic. But for you yes. to see such a difference between ketogenic and carnivore, because I, I was the same. And I know I've read that you, you know, certainly when you were vegetarian or largely vegan, there was a lot of green oxalates and kales and juices because, hey, we think they're, they're healthy, yeah. right? But see, yeah. for me, when I went... Um, keto because I have a family and I ketified everything. So I did a lot of almond meal baking. And, you know, now I look at it and think, oh my gosh, all the oxalates and the high omega six in the almonds. And, but, you know, it's a process and a journey and we learn along the way. But I do see, and I've seen it in Sunny, many of my clients too, you think it's not much, just cutting out a bit of veg or a bit of fruit. But actually, to the body, it can that little difference can make a massive difference huge yeah yeah Absolutely. For sure. yeah and and i was guilty of the same thing i mean when i first went uh keto i i was doing really well on it but then i found out about almond flour and coconut flour and you could bake this and you yeah. could bake that and you know it just really pollutes the diet i mean yeah. it just i like that pollutes long term yeah, yeah it yeah. does it pollutes the diet and uh even though i rarely ever bought anything processed even before i ever became vegetarian mostly we bought fresh vegetables fresh fruit and and i tried to use grains instead of meat but it just doesn't work. The, the only, the only way, well, the only thing that worked for me was going carnivore. I mean, that, that was really the answer to um, any, like I, I, after running, I would have a sore knee. Now I run, I don't have a sore knee. Mm. So uh, yesterday we cycled, well, we went in the bush and we were mountain biking the day oh before. Yeah. So this is Wednesday. So on the tandem, we're always on Monday, yeah. Monday we That's were, awesome. uh, on the tandem yeah. in the bush, mountain yeah. biking. And then yesterday we were on a paved trail with a group of people and we cycled. 64K. 64 No way. You're, that's and, amazing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I love it. I mean, yeah, I just, I'm so happy to be able to do it. Yeah. And I see people around me and they, they have straps on their knees and they have stuff on their ankles and yes they're, and they're much younger than you too you know i see it yeah, people in their 40s I go, like that. I, yeah. I go to pick go pickleball playing and they've got elbow things and yeah. wrist things and knee yeah. things and ah my goodness and but the other thing you show with your story too is it's not too late like, look at the difference that you at 79, yes. you know, with the changing diet has made, you know, like, yes. I think there, you know, I do think um, there are foundation pieces. Like, it sounds like, you know, you're, you've always had a really growth mindset. You've always had that positivity and, you know, you've always worked hard for things. So for, you know, for someone like yourself, I think when you make a tiny change, I take tiny, but, you know, you change your diet a little bit, you get leaps and bounds in terms of reward. And I, I think, you know, what I'd love people to really be inspired by with you is that, you know, 
you can change the diet, but you've got to also have a, a really open mind and a positive mind and, and have hope that, you know, while you're still here, there's things yeah. that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that um, even with exercise too, like people say, well, how can you hang for a, a, a minute and 47 seconds? Well, I started with 10 seconds. That's you know, right. I didn't just start with a minute. Yes. I started with 10 seconds. You know, somebody said, yeah. do you want to hang off the bar? I think it was my grandson. I said, do you want to hang off the bar and see how long you can last? And I'm thinking, huh, this, this will be interesting. So I tried it. And I did 10 seconds, 15 seconds or whatever. And then when my grandkids come over, they always want to do it. They, they want to hang on the bar to see if they can beat me, you know? Um, but uh, it just everything like I do planks and I do planks for a long time I do planks for seven minutes sometimes sometimes I do for <laughs> five five minutes and 11 seconds up my game and so um and it's the same thing yeah. I started with yeah. just well I think the first plank I ever did was two minutes yeah and I challenged a friend to do it with me over the phone and she said, "I'll last of 20 seconds. And I was still on the on the floor, on the phone and on the floor. Talking to her. Yeah, talking to her. And I managed to get in two minutes. And then I just kept increasing it. The thing yeah. is, the thing with me is I can't stop. I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going. And I want to keep doing. Like when I came here between chemotherapies, he said to me, I was bald. I still had my pick line in. And he said to me, he said, well, um, because they canceled one of my chemos, I said to him, I said, because I almost died from one of the agents. So he, I said to him, I said, I want to get out of this hospital now. I'd been in hospital for a week. And I said, I'm telling you right now, if I get out of this hospital, I'm going to see if we have enough travel points and I'm going to book a car and I'm going to book a flight to Florida and we're going to go biking. She made me promise her too. So. Yeah. So, so I did all that. Yeah. It, it was kind of an interesting travel thing because when we went to board the plane, they said we didn't have seats. So to make a long story short, a very nice American um, gate guy uh, said to me, he said, look, he said he was getting very upset because, you know, his wife is sick and now our seats are gone and we don't know why. They never told us why. No. So he, he said to me, he said, well, you go and have a seat. And and uh, as soon as I board all these people, I'll talk to you. So he called me over and I said, look, I said, I'm a cancer patient. I said, I know I have hair on my head, but it's not my hair. And I said to him, I said, I have to be in Florida by tonight. And I'd already been in the airport since I think six o'clock in the morning. And now mm. it's like 1130. And I said, I have to get there because I just have to get there. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll call you in 15 minutes. I'm just going to do some, some digging. So he calls me back and he said, you know, I've got you on a direct flight three o'clock this afternoon. And I got you a pass for the lounge. You can go and have a rest. You can have something to eat. You can have something to drink. And then I get to our house in Florida and he calls me to see if I made it okay. Yeah, oh, wow. Oh. I was so wow. impressed. Yeah. I, I, I just, you know, like, but that's not his I, job I, description. That's just because he's a lovely no, human being, right? So John wrote yeah. a really yeah. nice letter to yeah. uh, American Airlines because that's the guy. Mm. He was from American Airlines, and um, and I got here, and the next day I wanted to go cycling, cycling. So I said to John, I said, "Well, look," he said, "Well, we should go to the back of the group." 
because we cycle with this group every Tuesday and Thursday, and they all live around here. So they all knew me and they knew I had cancer. So he said, well, go to the back of the group. And if you feel good, and if you feel strong enough, we'll go to the front because we were always at the front riding really fast with the fastest people. And I said to him, I said, no, that's not what's going to happen. I want to go to the front of the group. And if I can't make it, I'll go to the back. But I am not going to the back of the group in the right off the bat. This is not going to happen. Well, we we rode the 40, uh, 25 miles, I think it was, to the end of the First trail. Half, yeah. First half of the trail. And we get to the end. And a guy that I had been riding with all these years, like we, well, we'd been, owned the house, I guess, two years by the time I was diagnosed. So he knew us because he had been riding with us. And we got to the end of the trail and he said, there is no way you have cancer. Mm-hmm. I am dying. And he was sweating. The sweat. All the other cyclists were gone. Yeah. Long yeah. We, we, we had left them behind. Yeah. And, and I said, I just, I pulled up my shirt and I said, here, you think this is a fashion statement? This is a thick line. This is where the poison comes in. And he goes, well, you are strong, even though you're sick. Because he said, I could hardly keep up with you guys. So yeah, yeah. I was that, happy that. that's a mental, that's exactly it. So what you yeah. did was instead of lying down and sort of already putting little mental barriers in by saying, yeah, I'll play it safe. I'll be at the back. And you know, that I can imagine John, that that's basically how she, you've lived your life, Ariane, you know, always pushing to that, you know, no excuse, taking responsibility, just going yeah. for it as much as you can. Yeah, I can't else. deal with problems. I, I say that to John all the time. If I have a problem, I have to solve it. I can't live with problems. I have to have a solution to whatever it is that's happening. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I mean, you know, the craziest story, but for anybody that who, who has cancer, never give up, always stay positive and always go shopping. So I- Are shopping? Was in- yeah. yeah. I was in the hospital and it was bad. I mean, they put me on the palliative floor. I didn't know how bad it was, but he said that it was pretty they bad. They thought she was going to die. They admit her to die. Basically. Anyway, um, I wasn't dying yeah. and I wasn't buying into that theory at all. And so I had been there from Monday. Uh, I think it was Monday you took me in. Yeah. And so now we're, we, I've been there the whole week. And I so I said to my oncologist, I said, um, Derek, I said, I need to get out of here. I really have to get out of here. I don't like it here. And people were dying every day. So it's not a really nice place to be. So I, I, he said to me, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I can't let you out. I can't let you go. You're, he, he didn't want to really say it, how seriously ill I was, but he said, I really just can't let you go. And I said, well, I'll tell you what he, I said, I said, you know what? It doesn't matter. I have to get out. So he said, I'll let you out for Sunday. And I had no pajamas. So <laughs> I said to John, I said, well, I got to go to a store and buy. We have a store that's like TJ Maxx, you know, it's like a discount type store. And I said, I have to buy pajamas because I've been wearing candy cane pajamas, like Christmas pajamas, because I bought them just as a joke. And I took them to the hospital because I started my first chemo January 4th. So I had just bought them for Christmas. So I go to the store. I bought a bunch of striped tops. I don't know how many and a pair of pajamas. And when I came back to the hospital, I had to sign in and I had to say what the reason was that I left. And I said, retail therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they wouldn't argue, so, would they? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I still have the pajamas. I don't wear them though, I but I have. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. Incredible, incredible. Um, have you read a book um by um an American lady called Dr. Gladys McCary? No. McCary or McGarry, I think it M C I think it's G A R Y. She's 103. And she's written a book called The Well Lived Life. And I think so much of what you're saying is exactly what she, you know, she she talks about I, I suppose her six, five or six kind of pillars of a well-lived life. And Unfortunately, you know, she doesn't talk about nutrition, but she talks about things like, um, you know, spend your energy wildly. Like, you know, what are you holding on to your energy for? Why are you holding back? You know, there's, I I just wanted to put it there. I think you would really love it. There is so much of what you said that I've read in that book. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's 103 and she sits, she's still doing um, clinic. (laughs) And she said, I have a 70-year-old sitting in front of me going, oh, you know, I'm getting old. I'm so tired. And she's like, really? You know, oh, you know I'm 103, right? And she said, yeah. I, I just have work to do. I, I, I'm I, not done. And that yeah. that drive to, you know, like you said before, not be done or, you know, you're not finished. It's just there's things you don't want to slow down. And I, I agree with you. I think that keeps you going. Well, I'll tell you what really keeps you going in a hurry is when you have a little granddaughter that's only a few months old. Oh, when you're diagnosed. And and uh, I was so determined that because I, yeah. I my my two grandsons were my world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when they were born, it was like like Jane Fonda once said when her first grandchild was born, it was like somebody split her heart wide open. But she held them for the first time. And I was actually in the delivery room for my first little grandson. And yeah, and that was the best day of my life, seeing this little thing come into the world. So I have two two grandsons. We have two grandsons and a little granddaughter. And um, they are so special. I mean, it just, I had to live for them. I just had to live to see them grow up and now they're 18 15 and 12 so oh, wow yeah yeah might have oldest... great runs soon great great ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the oldest one is start, starting university this year so wow. i think he's got a ways to go before he decides to start a family but um yeah. but that was my motivation i was just so determined that it wasn't going to take me down so that's great and that's great. so far i've been very very lucky but uh, changing my diet has made mm-hmm. all the difference in the world yeah. Yeah. in terms of um, how I feel mentally. Because because one question that John asked, I think it was Boca, was it Boca San Diego? No, it was San Diego, because that's where um, the couple was from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. He, he, the, the question he asked uh, Maggie, was it Maggie? Yeah. Maggie and Brad. Yeah. yeah. He asked Maggie the question, you know, when... Um, because he he was talking about me, but without really saying that, he said, "When when do you not when do you stop feeling afraid of a recurrence?" And yeah. you don't, yeah. you don't. Mm-hmm. It's always there, mm-hmm. you know. And she said that, you know. Yeah. I think she said something to that effect. Um, because every time you go for your oncology appointment, mm-hmm. you could be surprised because you're going to get blood tests, you're going to get X-rays, and you know. So you can think right up until the day that you go that everything is fine. Yeah. But I was completely fine and then found out that it was I was full of cancer. Like, I mean, literally, 
Like I, I was, I went to my grandson's birthday and by Monday morning and Saturday night, Monday morning, I was diagnosed and it was an absolute emergency because I couldn't take a breath. So, um, all the tumors were in my chest. So everything was obstructed by airway. Western major airway, 85%. So yeah, I said, oh, never had this before. We need so, an emergency. So, so. You, you just don't know. And then over, unfortunately, it was all happening on the 17th of December, which is a really bad day to have an, an emergency, health emergency over Christmas because yeah. everybody wants time off, right? But anyways, um, so you just you just have to um what I do is I try not to think about it until the day of mm. and then I think about it until I'm done with my doctor and then I go home and for try to forget about it again. Yeah, until but, you've got uh, something concrete in front of you, I guess that you know could, Yeah. I know yeah, it's because, the thing. Yeah, you don't you don't know. I mean, no. from one day to the next I hear it all the time. People who are here today and gone tomorrow and they have no signs of anything. So, mm -hmm. you know, Every day is I. I want to. Uh, my whole plan is to work, and and play to the max every single day that I wake up and open my eyes. That's my plan. Sounds like a good plan. Mm -hmm. What about you, John? Can I ask you um, about? Mm -hmm. uh, so, as an ophthalmologist. I'm guessing you kind of didn't really uh, know much about diet through most of your career, and there was a turning point for you. <laughs> was it with the with your you know with Ariane as well at the same time? You kind of uncovered both of this together. Yes, it would be an understatement to say that I knew something about diet, nutrition, et cetera, because like every other allopathic model that we're taught in medical, and I taught med students in at a medical school as well, but we're it's all about diagnosing, and we're not bad at doing that, but then treatment is it's surgical, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, et cetera, mm -hmm. pharmacotherapy, like big pharma, but nothing about why did the disease start? Nothing about root cause, no. absolutely not. And when I and uh, when I was doing ophthalmology, I mean, <clears throat> Arian, it's sort of different in the Canadian system where, in the American system, people are trying to get you into the office. In Canada, there's such a, because of our universal healthcare, there's literally lined up at the door and it's, and her job is just trying to keep me alive and take the sickest people because it was, it was, it was so busy. Wow. And, and I covered like five emerged apartments and I, but I kept seeing, I, I see all the diabetics and I'm injecting these drugs into their eyes, the macular degeneration, I'm doing all this thing, but I never, I had, I, I trained in biochemistry and physiology first before I went to medicine. And I, I understand all that helps me understand all these things now, but I, I never could take the time to think about why is that occurring? And even if I had of, there's such objection by, you know, the quote standard of care, you, oh, you meet so-and-so, oh, you got to give that drug. And if you don't, if you're not treating your patients the way the local within two and a half hours, if you are treating them, then you can lose your medical license. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So it's not for the benefit of the patient standard mm -hmm. of care. It's what is the average person doing in your community? They may know nothing about it, but that was that was pretty frustrating. 
And then when you you spoke with Arian about uh, you know the keto foods, you know we tried to you try and eat what you were addicted to basically in the keto Basically, bread. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's sort of like Weston A. Price, nutrition and physical degeneration. Those are the displacing foods. So you're not getting the real, you're not getting all those nutrients, minerals, vitamins that you should be in that whole food. So that's a, that was a huge thing. And, and I am much, much, much healthier as a result of being a carnivore as well. And I, I'm the best shape of my life. I, I just can't believe it. And I used to be a competitive athlete and I'd be putting down 1100 grams of carbs a day easily. And I, I was not. But he was not overweight at all. No. So you're like prof, My husband. kind of that, you know, tall and lean and Is it Tofi? a Is toffee, it Tofi? but it was going somewhere, wasn't it? Like it has to have been like, you know, you, you probably, you know, hopefully have undone, you know, the damage. But I, I look at that. It's like there's, you can't always see the damage it's doing. Yeah, I was, I was a pre-diabetic fatty liver just before, and just, and the only reason I found that out was when our son came down and, you know, 2018, 2019 started us down this rabbit hole. I thought, oh, I'll test that. And I thought, wow, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So how but, do you make peace with that? You know, I, I, I love talking about this because, yeah. you know, once we've seen the light, you know, we want everyone else to see the light, but of course we can only, people can only see what they see when they're ready to see it. And of course, you know, yourself, I mean, you, you only saw it when you were ready to see it or it was presented in a way to you that you could really look at it. You know, I, I think that's part, part of the human experience. It's just kind of how we work. And, and I always try and, you know, keep perspective and remember that it took me years to really understand it. And I didn't want to see when I first was shown and, you know, that's just kind of how it is. But there's always a bit of a, I, you know, like I look at my three older kids who were fed on the standard diet when they were born because I didn't know, you know, they went to rice cereal and a lot of packaged foods and you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then, of course, you know, I learned something different. And I, I feel like, you know, you do have to make a, an element of peace that you did the best you can with what you knew But, you know, I still think there's a, there's a, it's not a regret. It's just like a sadness that, you know, why, That's right. yeah, is that what it is? Oh, Yeah, absolutely. it's, yeah. Absolutely. I do the same thing. I used to make smoothies for John, uh, you know, with oatmeal and all kinds of fruit and everything. And I would freeze it. And then he would take it to the operating room and he, he would live on that. He would literally was drinking smoothies every single day, all day long. And, uh, and I, I feel sad towards my sons because Uh, they're 53 and 50 and um, you know I I almost feel badly about the way that I fed them because I fed them the stuff that we were told to feed them you know I, I mean now I know so much so much more but you're right about the fact that people don't want to hear it And so I start every, when, whenever somebody, because I have people walking up to me and saying, oh, what are you doing? You look great, you know? And, and, and I'll tell them, and it's like instant back off, you know, instant back off. And, and now I just start by saying, well, you know what? I can tell you what I'm doing, but you're not going to want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, it's probably okay. You know, like it just depends on, 
I know I'm telling you this because it works for me. I'm yes. not advocating that it will work for everyone. Yeah. But there are so many people around me right now. So you get to an age where like the in the community that we live in, so many of the people around me are starting with dementia. I I it just it it's very sad to watch it mm. because after reading George's book and Chris Palmer's, uh, there is there's so much that can that can be done without mm. pharma that could possibly help so many people. And it's so sad. I, I just talked to somebody today who told me her son was in the hospital because he has schizophrenia. Mm. And I said, I'm I have a book that I want you to read. And I gave her my book uh, that I, yeah, Georgia Eats book. We got three copies and uh, I gave one friend one Mm -hmm. and this other girl, I just gave it to her today. And I said, you know, she said, well, I'm not sure if he's going to read this book. And I said, no, 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 I'm not giving you this book for him to read it. I'm giving you this book for you to read it. You get the information out of the book and then you can maybe suggest something. You know, maybe you can make a change somewhere along the line. Mm. But I love how so, you say it, and you said it at the start of our conversation too, you know, you're very clear that this is what works for me, this is how I'm doing yeah. it. And actually, you know what you're doing is you're actually gifting people with that space to decide whether there is something for it. And that's where I think, you know, we have to be careful when we are giving the messages because we can get very dogmatic and kind of opinionated and this is the way it has to be done and I do think we that's where we turn people away and they're kind of like well I'm just not going to look there because you're being so dogmatic about it and oh, I'm not interested but if we say yeah. it in you a way you get that like, anyway by the way you get that anyway even yeah. if you say oh, it I know. The way that I say oh I know but then but, but at least but, I think for those that might be at that time you know yes. which we can never when know right when that is. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I I just want to tell you this because it's so funny. When we were vegetarian, my friends would say, I'm going to have you over for dinner, but I don't know what you eat. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, when you cook dinner, what do you cook? And so, well, I cook potatoes and I cook vegetables and I cook, you know, pork or beef or chicken or whatever. And I said, well, there's only one item that I don't eat and that's the meat. So what's the problem? Throw in an extra potato, you know? Now they're saying... (laughs) I don't know how to, to have you for dinner because you don't, you don't know what you ate. I said, I said, well, it should be a lot easier. I said, I only eat one thing, meat. Are you going to have any? That's funny. <laughs> I'll just have that. Put more of that. Oh, it's funny. It's funny. It's so true. It's so true. I, I resonate with, with that as well. And I, I think my personal story is, you know, when we first come up, and so I try and tell coaches that I work with, it's like, yeah, I know you, you get, you want to shout it from the mountaintops. And I'm not saying don't do that. And I think we do need to do that. But you need to do it in a in a gentle way and understand that everyone is on their journey. And until someone, you cannot make someone open their eyes unless they're ready. But when they are ready, if you've got the the book or the video or some non-threatening way that you can say, hey, just, you know, just in your own time, maybe watch this. Then one of the things I love saying is there just might be something interesting in this for you. I don't know, maybe. And they're kind of curious enough if they're ready to look at it. And I don't. It's interesting because you just nailed it on something that just happened to me. I was at a friend's house and she told me that she has a friend whose grandchild has got really uh, behavioral problems and Mm -hmm. obviously is having some mental issues. 
And just the day that she told me about that, I watched uh, a YouTube video with Georgia Eid, 17 and a half minutes. Really one of the best ones that I've watched. I watched a lot of her stuff. And it was just describing how a change in diet can calm a child down and can deal with ADHD and all this sort of stuff. And that one thing leads to another, to another, to another. So it was so clear and so easy to understand that I called, I texted my friend and I said, you know, maybe you can contact your friend back in Canada and tell her that um, to watch this video, it's just 17 and a half minutes and maybe it, it can help her grandson. You know, maybe there's something there that mm. can, you know, trigger something for mm. for him, for help for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the answer was, well, uh, we watched some of our videos and they're very interesting and compelling. I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure how to take that. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, good. You know, because Keep is that curious. saying to me? Yeah, is that saying, uh, well, great, but we're not interested, you know, or I don't think she'd be interested. Like maybe she's she's deciding for someone else. My yeah. feeling is, yeah, my feeling is, seventeen minutes out of your life, and if it can, like, if it can, if I can do anything that takes seventeen minutes to help my grandchild, I would sit for seventeen hours. Mm-hmm. So you know, but. I know, but then that's true because then it gets complicated though too sometimes because the mother of the child doesn't necessarily listen to the mother, you know, the grandmother. So, I've, you know. Yes, that's exactly. Oh, you, you, <laughs> you've got that right. You've got that right. Yeah. So, you know, she may be, oh, yes, I get it, but, you know, maybe I'm, I don't know if my daughter will or my son or, you know, and how do I yeah. approach that? See, so many different yeah. layers and I think, yeah, you know. it is. It's, it is. We can't it's stop trying because as a grandmother, it's very different. You, yeah. you cannot, yes. you can't live your grandchildren's lives. That their parents have to do that. But, um, but when you have a child that is in trouble, mm. I know, you know, I know, and it's rampant. And it, you know, it, it, I get, you know, sometimes just think, oh, you know, are we making a difference? And I don't know, but you know, diet just does not come into the discussion. Yeah, you know why, don't you? It's because there's no money in it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. No when money. you were talking about the carnivore diet, it's like if we, if yes. pharmacology could pack a pill, <laughs> oh, imagine, you know, they've got to get into farming, like meat, and then right. we'd probably be, that. you know, everyone would be happy. But, of course, they don't. It's the enemy and, yeah, they can't make money off it and you can't make money off healthy people. Unfortunately, it fuels an economy, doesn't it? So we're down this path. Yeah, I mean, there's money in disease. There's no money in no. cure and no. no money in prevention either. No. There was a, the, in uh, Clearwater, because we went to see the Metabolic Health Symposium. We went there too um, at the end of January. And there was a young man there who was stage four cancer. Yeah. And he absolutely moved me. He spoke and I mean, he, he he was talking about his journey in the healthcare system in the United States. And it was heartbreaking, mm. absolutely heartbreaking. And Nasha Winters stood mm. up and did a speech after he spoke. And somebody was kind of putting him down almost. And she came out in his defense. And 
she, she, I think she got a standing ovation. She, I can't yeah. be sure. One yeah. of them did. Either yeah. he did or she did or they both did. They both did, yeah. Uh, just unbelievable. It was a, it, that was just great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are, you know, some incredible people like Nasha and yourselves and, of course, the Work Nutrition Network do and Prof Noakes. And, you know, that started because people got brave and had the courage to stand up and say, hey, I've changed what I believe and I now see it differently. Yeah. And I think, you know, we just have to keep doing that, that, you know, everyone that does you know, change and see it differently. We we can share. I'd love you to, um, I guess, wrap it up for me with uh, each of you, you. What is what is a takeaway message you would like to give? But I also want to just say, can you please send me that link to that Georgia Ede one? Because I would love to put it down below because I'm sure people there'll be people listening that, oh, I'd like to see which one because she's got yeah, some incredible ones. If you don't mind, that would be, that would be great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, What's your take-home messages? Yeah, because some of our videos that I've watched are well into an hour or longer. Yeah, this one is just seventeen and a half minutes, and I just yep. that was the last one. The last one I watched, so it's very recent. Okay, and it, it was very comprehensive. It was really, really good. Great. Um, she's, by the way, a super nice person. So she's super nice. My take-home message is that um, people need to open their minds to the possibility of something better than drugs. I absolutely believe that sugar is a legal drug. And I, you know, like we need to realize that what the food industry is doing to us is not to our benefit. And, you know, the fact that it takes work to, to make a meal from scratch, but um, it just, you just have to have a focus on being healthy. And we we only eat in a, we, we fast for 16 hours. So we, we eat in a six hour window. And if you go carnivore, you're never going to be hungry. You're just not going to be hungry. And you can go from five o'clock in the afternoon until the next day at 12 or one and not ever feel that you're hungry. I, I don't, I never thought that would happen to me. I just don't feel hungry. I, especially if I'm out riding or doing anything busy, I just don't feel hungry at all. So, and all you have to do is try. No one is like, I'm not telling anybody that they have to do anything. Ketogenic, paleo, carnivore, doesn't matter. Just if you have a problem and you want to solve it and you want to see if you can do better, all you have to do is do 30 days. I only did five days and I felt fantastic. So, you know, I mean, do it for a month, do it for 30 days. What's 30 days out of your life, you know? And then if you don't have the result that you want, just go back to what you used to do. You've lost nothing, really. You've just gained an experience and understanding and chances are you're probably going to feel a bit better too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John? And for myself, uh if I look at, yes, I agree that um, ultra-processed food, there's some good data now in the last year showing that it can be addictive. <clears throat> I don't necessarily say ultra-processed food, so I, I, I prefer people get satiety. So, and whatever food that gives you the most satiety of real whole food, it's going to be the most nutrient dense, preferably animal based, because those nutrients are much more available. Mm -hmm. 
if you uh, are on the vegan side, that's okay, but you have to be a lot more careful and you have to do a lot of supplementation. So I'm not saying one way or the other, but it's easier if you're animal-based, much easier if you go towards the, the carnivore part of it. Strength, um, doing some kind of uh, strength training, uh, whatever exercise you can do, even if it's walking three or four steps to start, that's the one that's right for you. The best exercise is the one that you enjoy doing for sure. And then stress is such a, it's so hard to change that, but um, you know, if you can do it and if you can alter your, your job somehow, it's super stressful. That's much more difficult one Then your sleeping will improve. Yes. <laughs> if you get outside in the sunshine, sunshine has way more benefit than just vitamin D. They've shown lots of studies to, to support that as well. Um, spirituality, whatever that means to you, uh, socialization, is is so powerful so all these all these uh blue zones it's because of what they do as a community together and mm -hmm. what they're not eating so mm -hmm. it's the seed oils and sugars when you look at the food you call we call it processed ultra processed but when you look at that those are the nutrient deficient pro-oxidative pro-inflammatory toxic materials that we shouldn't be consuming so just yeah. eat the real food local market if you can uh, and surprisingly if you eat a whole food diet whatever your choice happens to be plant or more towards the animal side you're going to save a lot of money on medication that you might be currently taking and if you want to and georgia Ede, chris palmer your mind, it's that bi-directionality. So you, if you have, your mental health is not good, your chance of diabetes can be two or threefold higher. Yeah. If you're schizophrenic, it could be, and you live to six, it could be 30-fold higher chance of heart disease. So it's, it goes both ways because it does affect the mitochondria everywhere in your body. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's your brain, your muscles, wherever they are. It's all about mitochondrial health. And mm. you can do that best by those things that we we talked about yeah yeah I love that, that make sense? it does make total sense and I think you know the biggest thing I think you know from what you've both said is that you know you're not going to necessarily do a two-minute plank today you know it's okay to take small steps and you awesome. know the mind will compare well I'm not doing that so what's the point but there is point <clears throat> and you can start slowly and I see a lot of people so overwhelmed with oh, there's just so much and, you know, I'm, you know, life is just overwhelming me. And I think you can really sort of let go of a lot of that by just allowing yourself to focus on, on one thing, you know, even if it's just that first bit of food you put in your mouth or, you know, changing your ratios around a little bit to include more animal protein or just start because then, you know, you'll see the next step when, you know, you're ready to take the next step. I think it, it's the, the saddest part is when people don't even start because they think it's hard. And, yeah, it is hard, but you can do it one step at a time. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Start with and, your push-ups from your knees if you can't yeah. do them. Totally. Yeah, it's that's all pretty cool. much me. <laughs> you know, this is, this is we started doing push-ups quite a long time ago, a, a number of years ago. And. I've been trying to catch him all along. Like I, I'm, <laughs> he does 150. I'm up to 100 and 
She's 120. 20. Straight. <laughs> yeah, straight no. it's military. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I do 120 <laughs> and he does 150. And I'm I've been trying to do 125. <laughs> and by the time I'm finished by 120th, I say, not gonna happen today. <laughs> well, it'll probably happen in your 80s. You're just waiting for like a, a golf. <laughs> I think so. Inspiration. It's been so lovely to talk to you. I could talk to you both all day. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. And, of course, you know, any uh, contact details that you have, if people want to send you an email or reach out to you, I'm sure you'll pass that on to me and um, keep going. And I can't wait to keep watching and I will keep everything crossed. I can get to Boca next year. Boca, I should say. It's not Boca. Boca. Next year in January, wouldn't it be amazing to see you That'd again? Yeah, that would be lovely if you could be there because yeah. that would be like yes. old time. I mean, we were looking, there's a picture on Instagram with you and uh, Tia, Tia. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Tia yeah. Tracy, yep. Tia yep. Reed, and John and I. And it was just so nice. That was such a nice meeting. We had it was such beautiful. A oh, yeah, next time. Really I'll never was. forget it. I'll never forget it. Thank you very, yeah. very, very much. Thank you. Well, if you can come to Boca, it'd be awesome. We're going to be there. And anybody else listening, come. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone.